Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jenny, with my co-host, Anna. And today's episode, we are talking all about what I think is America's favorite thing to can, tomatoes. Tomatoes canned are a wonderful pantry staple that I would say is the number one most versatile pantry staple that you can include into your pantry. They also are an interesting thing because they have so much lore and family tradition, family history attached to them. And it makes it uh, important for you listeners to know a few particular things about safely processing tomatoes. So tomatoes used to be much higher in acid. So even 50 years ago, and certainly 100 years ago, the tomatoes that were grown naturally, just the way God made them, they were higher in acid. So if you hear people talking about or read my grandmother used to in reference to tomatoes, you can just know that it is a fact that those tomatoes that she used to preserve in whatever fashion, they were higher in acid. So even if you grow tomatoes yourself and they're organic and they're heirloom and, you know, whatever, they simply are not as high in acid as they used to be. So we have a whole episode about acid and canning. It's actually our most popular episode to date um, that you should check out to learn more about acid and canning. But the magic acid value, the most important value to keep in mind when canning is 4.6. Foods that are 4.6 or greater acid, that is denoted with a lower number, those foods are safe for water bath canning. That acid that's present prohibits the growth of spoilers. And when coupled with the heat of a water bath, it kills spoilers inside. If a food is less acid or has a higher number than 4.6, then it's appropriate to pressure can. So tomatoes, we think of them as being acidic. And I think it's because of like pizza and other rich things that give us indigestion. People think tomatoes are high in acid. They're not. They're right at about 4.6. Right. So It's really important when you are canning tomatoes that you just have this in your mind. You know that there's tons of misinformation out there with people saying, oh, tomatoes are so acidic and my grandma used to fill in the blank. Okay. You need to know that tomatoes, all tomatoes, are more alkaline than they used to be and they are safely water bath or pressure canned. But if they're water bath canned or steam canned, They need the addition of an acidifying ingredient to bring that acid level up and that number down. So Anna, tell us about the three acidifying ingredients that all safe water bath or steam canning tomato recipes have. 
Yeah, so you can choose of these three. You don't have to use all three. The first one is lemon juice. It's going to be store-bought, which means that it has a specific acidity. Right. It's the percent of acid. So just you, if you buy store-bought lemon juice, you will be fine. Using homegrown lemons, you don't know what the acid value is. And there are tons of people that are like, oh, I have a lemon tree or I have a bag of lemons. Like, can I just use that? And <laughs> right. the answer is no, it's not recommended. You can if you want. Of course, you can always do what you want, but we do not recommend it <laughs> at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the second is citric acid. <laughs> citric acid is actually what I use. It's super easy. You just use a teeny amount in your jars and it's just really handy. Like if I don't have lemon juice on hand, I use citric acid. And then the third is vinegar. It does have a strong taste and you'll want to use store-bought, that 5% acidity. It's the last on the list, I think, probably for a reason. I personally never use vinegar unless it's in like a salsa recipe that calls for it. But if I'm just doing like diced tomatoes, I will use citric acid or lemon juice and then offset that with a bit of salt. What about you, Jenny? Do you do a lot of diced tomatoes? So I do primarily a pretty basic tomato sauce that I can use on pasta or I can thicken and do something else with. I think that's my number one tomato recipe. And I use citric acid unless I don't have any citric acid. So citric acid is a white powder. And unlike other additives that might give you pause, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to be concerned about using the additive citric acid. It does have a taste, but it's not one that it's one that can disappear pretty readily in tomato recipes. You can I like it too because you can add it like a certain amount for the whole batch, or you can add it a little bit to each jar. But I like that you have that flexibility there. Do you add to the batch or do you add to the jar? Uh, if I'm doing diced tomatoes, like I love doing diced tomatoes, I will add it to each jar. Right, right. So what do you can tomatoes, the, uh, what recipe do you use the most? for? Do you do diced? I do a ton of diced tomatoes because I love adding them to soups or stews. Uh, if I need to make a tomato sauce, I can drain it and then quickly blend it and then cook it down into whatever. I Last year, I did try and find like a pizza sauce recipe that I liked. And when I ate it this winter, I was like, mm, I don't think I like that. So if you have a really great tomato sauce recipe, I would love it because I don't know, it's a crapshoot, you know. <laughs> so when we talk about canning tomatoes, invariably, we get asked about canning salsa. And I think the first thing Shakespeare said and I think Shakespeare was so right that expectation is the root of all heartache. And so I think when people expect canned salsa to taste like fresh salsa, it's not going to, right? There are some excellent, safe tomato salsa recipes that are great, but they are not going to be like that like fresh salsa that you get at a Mexican restaurant because they cut it up that day. They chopped that like right then, right? Like it's fresh. It's not going to be the same. The texture is not going to be the same. Right. It's not the same as pico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 it. People always ask me, like, 
what's the salt? It's not the recipe. It's the fact that it has been processed in a pressure canner or a water bath canner that leads to that texture that's just is a little softer. And maybe that's what you want. And maybe that's awesome. But you can't expect it to be something that it's not. But salsa is a great thing to talk about when talking about canning tomatoes and safety because the things that we love to add to tomato recipes, salsa included, the delicious garlic and onions and peppers, we love those ingredients. And when you're cooking, you can add as much as you want. But when you're canning salsa, tomato sauce, other tomato products, or any canning recipe, you can't mess with those ratios of those low acid garlic or onions or peppers because they bring the acid down, right? And we have to keep that acid nice and high at that 4.6 or greater or smaller number, right? So that's the that's the thing <laughs> that's the thing to know about canning tomatoes is you can't mess with that ratio. That and that's also why it's really important that you add the acidifying ingredient because if if that those tested recipes have the acidifying ingredient added, right? That also gives them a little bit more wiggle room to add some garlic and onions so that the balance overall is acidic enough for for canning. Yep, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like I I want to say that salsa is like the number one canned food item that people want to can. Uh, in the United States. And it's for good reason. It tastes good. If you find a good recipe, you want to stick to it. I've definitely tried out terrible salsa recipes and been like, I don't want that. Just this last summer, I canned the jalapeno salsa from the ball canning book. And I thought that was pretty excellent because for the last, I don't know, eight years or so, I've been canning this um, salsa recipe that's approved through my extension office that somebody gave me. And it's been our family favorite, but I was like, I need a change. (laughs) So I did the um, jalapeno salsa recipe out of the ball book. Right. So, I mean, we'll say it again before this episode's over, but (laughs) tomato recipes are not ones for you to like riff on and come up with your own thing. This is not the time to be creative. If you want to get creative, then don't can it. That's that's a, an unwise recipe to to change or alter. Other tomato products that are things that you might consider canning. I wanted to list. I made ketchup once, and my one of my dearest friends and sister in law, Nikki, she was like, "You're canning ketchup, Jenny? Ketchup is cheap." And I was like, "Well, I wanted to try it, you know." So you can make ketchup kind of like like a a fruit butter. You can do it in the crock pot. And I liked it, but it was much more like a barbecue sauce when I was done. And there's probably lots of other great recipes I could try. It was much more like a barbecue sauce because it took a lot of time to cook down and get thick, but it was good. I mean, that's something you could do. I mean, you probably wouldn't can 50 jars of it, but you could try a batch. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. And then tomato sauce. So, I don't have an Italian grandmother. Anna, do you have an Italian grandmother? I have zero Italian grandmothers. 
Okay. So there might be there might be Italian grandmothers out there that will disagree mm-hmm. with a thing I will tell you. But the thing that changed the game for canning tomato sauce for me was learning by contacting a cooperative extension office, learning that you don't have to peel the tomatoes. And so for me, I use a blender to just puree the bejesus out of the tomatoes when I'm making tomato sauce. And that eliminated the the time-consuming and wet process of dropping tomatoes into boiling water, waiting the 30 seconds, fishing them out, waiting for them to cool, peeling them, doing something with the peels, covering your kitchen in a sprinkling of red splatter. That changed my universe. And again, I know someone's Italian grandmother may disagree with that practice, but I don't, I cannot taste the skins and I, it doesn't bother my family one bit. And it just allowed me to can a lot more tomato sauce a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. And to be clear, Jenny, you're like washing your tomatoes before you do all this. I don't want people to think that they should skip that step. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because uh, just so you guys know, like botulism is naturally occurring in soil. So you do need to wash all of your vegetables or fruit before you process them. So yeah. And I agree with you, Jenny. I love using the whole tomato instead of peeling it. I even do that with my diced tomatoes. I don't even care if there's like little rolled up tomato skins in my soup or whatever, because I just don't care. Like I, I, I just don't care. But it's more of an aesthetic thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to impress your Italian grandmother or the county fair, then sure, go ahead and peel them. But that task was a real obstacle for me. And just cutting it out is was a game changer. So some tomato sauces, classic tomato sauces um, or marineras have meat or broth or both. Those recipes are appropriate only for pressure canning because they are low in acid. So just make sure that when you're referring to a recipe, if it has meat or chicken or or meat broth of any kind, you should see that it is requiring you to pressure can it. One great tip I have for tomato sauce, because I think it's the thing I can the most of, is adding or using essential oil. Because you can use literally one or two drops of oregano that took me zero time to put in, right? I don't have to source any greenery and figure out Like, is this tablespoon even going to make a difference in the flavor, but it definitely could change the acid? Like just a couple drops of essential oil, game changer. Use high quality oils that you would consume internally. And that can be a really, really helpful thing with a tomato recipe where you want to maybe boost flavor, but you can't risk changing any acid value. Yeah. So we have, I'm so excited. We have an episode how to safely alter a canning recipe and, and essential oils are included in that. Um, so look for that episode, but thank you, Jenny. That is so perfect for your tomato recipes. When uh, my husband's grandmother passed away, one of the things that they found was her canning recipes, some of her canning recipes, which were so fun, but also I don't know why, but she had like 10 copies of this chili sauce recipe. I think she just liked it so much, but she kept losing it. So she had like 10 of these copies and I have them in a little file folder. 
And I think when we redo our kitchen, I'll frame one of them because I just love the old, the way she wrote. And I I just love having like a piece of history um, that you can look back on and say, oh, this was a recipe that she loved. And I think it's very similar to the ball canning recipe. Oh, so cute. Yeah. So that's a great segue into what will be probably close to our final section of this episode is how do I know if my tomato canning recipe is safe? And what often I find is that an old recipe would be great as long as you add citric acid or add that acidifying ingredient. Like it usually is a lot of tomato, very little onion and garlic, and maybe a few other ingredients, some spices, but it it just needs the addition of the citric acid. So usually the amount, is it like a, I think it's a quarter teaspoon of citric acid per pint. Is that right, Anna? Yep. Yep. That's right. So again, if you have an old recipe in front of you that was your grandmother's and you want to honor her and make that recipe, then Google up a tomato recipe, like let's say tomato sauce and then a cooperative. I always type in just cooperative extension and that gives me the nation's cooperative extension recipes. If I'm trying to find something that I know is tested and then just look at them. If the proportions are very similar and they're probably going to be, then to just go with the addition of the quarter teaspoon citric acid to a pint jar and you should be golden. Another thing that we wanted to talk about with pressure canning tomatoes is because they require a little bit longer processing time, some people are making the switch to pressure canning them instead because the processing time of the of the pressure canner is shorter than the water bath processing time. And I haven't made that switch But Anna, have you done it? I have not done it because for me, pressure canning, it takes quite a bit of time to get that the pressure canner up to temperature, exhaust it, then do your processing time and then allow for that uh, temperature to come back down to zero. So for me, like the time savings isn't really a saving. I don't know. I need to do more research about it. But I think in the past I've like timed it before and I'm like, I don't think it would make that much of a difference. Right. And canning tomatoes is also one of those recipes because it has a little bit longer of a processing time. It may not be appropriate if you live at a higher elevation for you to use a steam canner with. So you could refer back to our episode about steam canners and they're awesome, but they only can be a process for a total of 45 minutes. So that's something to keep in mind when you're starting canning and you have a tomato recipe. It may be most appropriate to use a water bath rather than a pressure canner if you live at a higher elevation. Alternatively, you could consider using a pressure canner, which of course is safe and could be faster depending on the processing time and your elevation. And maybe you're, you know, want to try it that way. It's kind of a good one to try with the pressure canner because you won't end up with mush, right? Like tomatoes are soft to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I'll have to check out this summer because I do a uh, quite a bit of tomatoes and I think it, it, I am at a higher elevation. I'm over 4,000 feet in elevation. So I want to say that my diced tomatoes processing time is around 70 minutes. I could be totally, it might be, it might even be longer than that. It's a ridiculously long amount of time. So pressure canning may be the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. It is a long time. And mine are whatever, five minutes shorter than yours are because I'm at 3,000 feet. But yeah, it's just something to think through 
what method you're going to use to preserve your tomato recipes just so that they're so that you're beginning in a in a way that will end up making sense for you. You're not ending up like, oh, shoot, I got to what am I going to do? My steam canner is going to run out of water. You don't want that to happen. Yeah. Well, any other tips, Jenny? Mm, No, but I think that they are the thing that you can preserve that will give a ton of value to your your home pantry. Um, They can be super, super versatile. And I think like jam is a wonderful thing to learn to can. For example, like most people, not most people, but lots of people start canning with jam and it can be so satisfying and beautiful and sweet and great. But there's only so much toast a family will eat probably. Uh, And I just have found personally tomatoes to be like, like that made me feel like, dang, I'm being a good mom here. I've got good, (laughs) wholesome tomato sauce. You can get organic tomatoes at a farmer's market. You can grow them yourself. It's like a really great superhero pantry item to learn to can. And hopefully this episode was really valuable to you, gave you some good tips for how to preserve tomatoes at home. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you at our next episode. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.